If you have your Bible today, I want you to turn to uh, a verse of Scripture that we just talked about. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26. Ver- 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26. We're going to talk about your testimony today, your confession of faith, your words of your mouth. Let me just give you some background. Well, let's read it. Let's just go ahead and read it. Amen. Uh, It says, for as often as you eat this bread, what we just did, and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. And I've told you already in the Greek word, and I can try to try to hyphenate it, and it's kafangelo. <laughs> the jello part I can get e- easy. Kafangelo. How many can say kafangelo? That's H S H E W in the King James. The Greek rendering of that word, uh, the English counterpart to that word, and it means. Literally, and I'm going to read it directly, it means to proclaim publicly, to announce and to make known. Did you know what Jesus said? Baptism is also part of this. Water baptism, Holy Communion, the public proclamation that we have been saved and we are saved by the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. Amen. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, what am I going to do? I'm going to confess you before my Father and His angels. If you're ashamed of me before men, then I'm going to be ashamed of you before the Father and the angels. Amen? I can't confess you as belonging to me unless you confess me as dying for you. So the Bible said, hold fast your profession of faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. The word profession in the Greek means confession and in a particular way. It means to say the same thing that another has said. It's not just to say what your preacher told you to say, your mama told you to say, your daddy told you. It's to say what God has said about any given situation. And it's a, it's a sticking point in our faith. It trips us up. The Bible said salvation is not complete until confession is made. Amen? For with the heart, with the heart, see, people are, that won't confess Christ say, well, God knows my heart. This is a very personal, private thing. No, this is a public thing. Everybody that Jesus called to salvation, He called them publicly. Now, when He wasn't calling them, when they just started seeking, amen, Nicodemus came to Jesus slinking around, by night, to ask the question, what must we do to be saved? And Jesus said, you've got to be born again. Amen. And he told him clearly, this is a work of the Lord. This is not the work of religion. This is a, this is a powerful personal relationship with God and to God, a reconciled relationship to God. So, so, but everybody he called, he called publicly to come to him. Because if you don't confess Him with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. But it's incomplete. But with the mouth, say with the mouth. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Praise God. For if thou believe with thine heart and confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. You can't be an undercover Christian. 
I'm, I'm an undercover Christian. I, I really don't let anybody know that I'm a Christian. Uh, I just kind of hide it underneath the guise of, uh, of, uh, of worldliness so that I can uh, get in there. And, no, no. You've got to be out front about your Christianity. And it's not just what you say. It's what you live. It's what you do. Anyone can claim to be a Christian. It's an overused and misused word in our culture, in our church culture of today. Many people in America, over one quarter, 25% of people in America claim to be Christian. You know what? That would, that would be about 50 million people who claim to be Christian. If 50 million people were truly Christian and authentic there would be some differences made in this nation. But out of that 50 million who say, there are only those who are genuine. And it's the authentic Christian who becomes the salt. And the authentic Christian that becomes the light. Can you say amen? So God is calling for Christians to become authentic. And let's get back to the mouth. The tongue, the tongue is powerful. And, the, and hold fast your profession of faith without wavering. For He is faithful that promised. When you say what God has said in His Word, it is powerful. Can you say, man? Not just to the saving of your soul, but to every other part of your life. To say what God has said. To let our words line up with His Word. Instead of, I can't take anymore, we're supposed to line up with God and say, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And it's not about how you feel at the moment that you're saying it. You say, well, if I say that, I would be lying. I don't feel like that. Well, faith can't be based on your feelings or you're in real trouble with your faith. Listen, before I say I can do all things according to Christ that strengthened me, I have to admit that in my flesh, I can't take anymore. I can't go on any further. I've reached the end. Listen, it don't take me long to reach the end of my rope. Not only that, but sometimes I get to my wit's end. And that don't take long either. Amen. I don't have the capability of figuring out all that God is up to. You know, the Bible said we're to trust in Him with all of our heart and lean not to our head, lean not to our own understanding. You don't need faith if you comprehend and understand and you've got it all figured out and God gives you a, a panoramic 3D view of His eternal purposes and why this and what that and how it's going to work out in the end. You don't need any faith. You need faith to follow Him, not blindly, but seeing and understanding that God is at work when we don't get it. He, he's at work. My wife, my wife for, for relaxation used to do needlepoint where you get this hoop and it's got this beautiful picture and you take all of these threads and you start weaving it into the pattern. And, and I would come home from work when I was bivocational and, and, uh, for 12 years and, and I would see laying on the couch, it would be flipped over. I would see the backside of that hoop that, or, or whatever it was, you know, the round thing that's holding the, 
There's a name for it, technical. Uh, that's why I'm at wit's end real easy. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I, I see all those dangly strings, red, yellow, green, orange, blue. And they're all just dangling. There's no reason. There's no rhyme. It looks like chaos to me. But I'm intrigued because I know something. I know that those strings represent a pattern that is being woven. And I want to see, I just flip it over and I see this beautiful scene beginning to emerge. It's not finished, but I can see that every, all of that chaos on this side of it, amen. If I could see it from the other side of it, I could see a beautiful pattern that is being woven into that, 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 what do they call it? Needlepoint. Did you know where we're looking from our perspective? We see the backside of God's eternal purposes and movements. We see the dangling strings. And we, we, things are, are happening in our life while He's weaving His eternal purpose. We don't get it. We don't understand it. we got the what's and the why's. And don't think that it's wrong to question things. It's, we just got to override that with our faith. If you don't question when something goes terribly wrong and you're doing everything right, then you're at your wit's end too. Can you say amen? It's, it's human nature to question. But not to question in doubt and unbelief to the point of accusing God and not agreeing with God. There's a point in your faith you've got to agree with Him. See, we walk by sight, by faith and not by sight. Amen? While we look not at the things which are seen, for they are temporal. Every bit of it, everything that seems so permanent, permanent is temporal. This earth as it is, is temporal. It's in flux. It's changing. And it's going to be changed. If you haven't noticed, your body is changing. It's not permanent. You, you haven't put on immortality yet. Look at yourself 30 years ago. Not you, because you couldn't see yourself 30 years ago. You'll have to, how many, we won't even go there. She can't even go back with us. She, I bet you there's a baby picture of her somewhere. We're all changing. Everything is changing. And so when God says all things are working together for good in Romans 8 and verse 28, which is the knot at the end of the rope that we all grab hold of, for we know that all things work together for good. It's that knowledge that you've got to have operative in you. You've got to know when you see all those dangling threads that God is at work and good is going to be the outcome if you keep your trust in the Lord. Now, if you don't keep your trust in the Lord, no good's going to come of anything. You're going to give place to the devil. But if you keep your trust in the Lord, how do I do that, Brother Venable? By saying what he said about your circumstance. Not what you see. Not what you sense. And not what you feel. But what he said about it. He said, I know my thoughts to ancient Israel. And God doesn't change, by the way. He's the Lord God of Israel. He changes not. That's why... What we find out about him and his M.O., his modus operandi in the old covenant, it's a different way of dealing with man under the new covenant. 
more grace is involved. But the same God who purposes good to his covenant people is in operation in the new covenant. He hasn't changed. He's not old and senile. He's not sitting aloof in his heaven. He's actively involved in our life to the degree that Jesus said of the Father, the very hair of your head is numbered. There's nobody that knows you like God knows you. And nobody that loves you like God loves you. Can you say man? Not a sparrow falls from the sky without your father. This is not talking about his, his foreknowledge of things. This is talking about his heart of love and compassion. It touches the heart of God. When a little bird runs his course in life and falls. No wonder it said in Psalm 116, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. You're worth more than many sparrows. Can you say man? Hallelujah. God loves you that much. So even when He allows things in our life, there's a purpose in it. <laughs> the Scripture said when you go through the fire, not if you go through. Jesus tried to prepare us for this thing. Think it not strange, the New Testament writer says. The fiery trial. That's come to try you. That's not a run in your hose on Sunday morning. Can you say, man? I'm talking about the one that has the potential to hurt, the one that has the potential to harm. Says, don't think it's unusual as a Christian for you to go through trials and testings. Amen? But God is faithful. Who will not allow you. He's so personal with this. You say, Brother Rimmel, I don't think I could take what he's facing in Pakistan. Well, God knows what you can take. And if you were in Pakistan, God would give you what you needed to take whatever is facing in Pakistan. His grace for whatever you face is always sufficient. And until Paul discovered that, he tried to pray his way out of every problem. But once he discovered the sufficiency of grace and knew the love of God was intact even though he was going through a great trial, he said, the thing that I've been praying to get out of, he said, I'm going to take pleasure in these things. Oh, my Lord. Somebody say, oh, my Lord. Amen. Taking pleasure in painful things. Taking pleasure in pressure. Taking pleasure in persecution? Paul said, with, he said, you haven't discovered the sufficiency of His grace. What was his initial prayer? What ours is? I, I besought the Lord three times to deliver me from this, these circumstances that keep befalling me. You think you had it rough? Can I give you some of Paul's background? Persecution-wise? He said, I was given 40 stripes, save one of the Jews, on five occasions. Don't you know the fifth time they bent him over the whipping post and stripped him to the waist and literally beat him within an inch of his life? Why 39 stripes? Because after 40 stripes, people went into shock and died. And this wasn't to be corporal punishment. This would to be a man beaten so badly that he would never do what they told him not to do again. But he got up and did it again. They stoned him and left him for dead. They thought they'd killed him. That means he was so bloodied. His breathing was so shallow. 
They were sure he was dead and they walked away. And whether God raised him from the dead, it's not clear. Or whether he just was beaten in an inch of his life to where they thought he was dead. One thing's for sure, he was sore when he got up. He was hurting for certain when he got up. And what did it say next about Paul? Did he go somewhere? Amen. And lick his wounds and question God? No, it said he was found in another city preaching Jesus. He was found in a, After that, he was found in another city preaching Christ. It didn't faze him. When Paul said his grace is sufficient, his strength is made perfect in weakness. If you keep your trust in him, he will grant to you something. Everybody say supernatural. The acronym for grace, and we all get it. We all got it in our head, but we got to get it in our heart. Is God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. How about unmerited favor? How many comprehend mentally that grace is unmerited favor? That's what it means. How many know knowing those two things about grace won't help you under pressure unless something of the Holy Spirit is communicated to you? Grace allows God to give you a peace that passes understanding. If you pray and the problem goes away, everybody understands that. But if you pray and the problem stays and yet you feel confident, you feel blessed assurance, you say, I don't know what God is up to, but I know He loves me. And see, that's what Paul knew. He said, there's nothing. Nothing present, nothing coming. No angel, no devil, no circumstance. Nothing, 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 nothing will separate me from the love of God that's in Jesus Christ. Nothing! And when he said nothing, he had been through a lot of somethings that could have done it. Because he said, I was beaten Given stripes of the Jews, 39, 39, 40 people went into shock and died from the beating. So they literally beat him to an inch of his life on five occasions. So if you took off his robe and looked at his back where those stripes had healed, it, the scar tissue, it would, it, it would just be nothing but you could feel the rough healed wounds. And don't you know the fifth time that they bent him over to whip him that the devil screamed in his ear if god loved you he would not you're doing the right thing you're preaching the gospel you're standing up and giving testimony and testament and here you are oh he said they didn't stop with 39 stripes they beat me with rods on three occasions. So five times 39 stripes. Beaten with rods on three occasions. We're not talking about the switch that our grandparents used on us. We're talking about a rod hitting, bruising, literally some people beaten with rods were paralyzed for life because it took the vertebrae and put pressure on the spinal cord by hitting the vertebrae in the back. 
And some people were blinded because the spinal cord was damaged through the beating with rods. Remember the occasion? Paul said, if you could have given me, he had an eye problem physically. If you could, you would have given me your eyes. Isn't that incredible? I don't believe it was eye disease. I believe it was the aftermath of the beating with rods. Because many people went blind when their spinal cord was damaged. It depends where it's damaged. But it can blind you. And it can cripple you. And he said three times they beat me with rods. He said I was shipwrecked. And I was in the deep for a day and a night for 24 hours. I was in the water. I fell among thieves. Isn't that incredible? The man of God got, got robbed. Who gets bit by the snake in Acts 24? Paul, Acts 27, I guess. 24, 27. Read the book of Acts, you'll find it. Amen. Amen. Paul, nobody else gets bit. Paul gets bit. And here we sit today wondering when things go wrong, why? Why me? And yet Jesus made you a promise that you need to put on your fridge. My peace I give you, not as the world gives, give I thee. Well, what kind of peace does the world give? The absence of pressure, the absence of problems. When everything is well. Amen. How many still live in this world? Almost 100%. Only a couple of aliens here. I knew aliens had invaded. In this world, this fallen world, in this world, you shall have tribulation, phelpsis, anguish, pressure. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Cheer up. Oh, honey, the church needs to cheer up. We're burdened about everything. And we wear our burdens like a badge of our spirituality and our concern. No, your bearing the burden is a lack of faith. My bearing of the burden is a lack of faith because I'm told to cast my care on the Lord and cast my burden on the Lord. Can you say, man, and if I'm carrying it as a badge of, oh, poor me, pity me, pity us, that's not the church. We're not to be pitied. We are, we are highly favored. We are well cared for we are greatly protected God is on the throne can you say man you need to give that burden to Jesus so you can intercede amen for whatever is wrong so your prayer can be filled with faith and compassion not fear and trepidation wow wow if you don't ever cheer up you can't what did he say to do count it all Joy when you fall into divers' testings, knowing this that the trial of your faith worketh patience. Let patience have her perfect work. When does patience have her perfect work? When God snatches you out or when He takes you through? Oh, I wish I hadn't preached that. That's going to come back and get me. That's going to come back and bite me, Willie. I would rather him snatch me out than take me through. Come on. 
Come on, church. Let's get down to earth for a minute and then let's get back into the heavenly mindset. I don't want to go through nothing. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't ever get up in the morning and say, Lord, my faith is getting flabby. My faith is getting crusty and rusty. I haven't had to really use my faith in a long time. Oh, Lord, in the name of Jesus, send me a trial. I don't want a little one. I want a fiery trial. I want one so strong that it just beats me down to the ground until I ain't got an ounce of strength left in me at all. And my only hope is you. I have never prayed that prayer. You know why? Because I don't have to ask for it. Because I live in this world. And in this world, you're going to get it. (laughs) Can you say, man? In this fallen world, with an enemy called the devil, and an ally to the devil called your weak flesh, and my weak flesh... In this world, you shall have tribulation, but hold fast. Hold fast. Hold fast. Everybody say, hold fast. You know what ancient mariners did? They had tattoos when the sailing ships went to sea and would encounter great storms on the sea. On one hand would be H-O-L-D. And on the other, right here where the rings are, would be F-A-S-T. Ancient mariners would have tattoos on their hands hold fast. Because when they are trying to manage the sails in a storm and the ship in a storm and they're out on deck in the midst of that storm, their hope is not only the ship... Even if they had confidence because the ship had seen many storms that the ship could weather the storm, they had to hold on. Because if they got swept overboard out of the ship, they're at the mercy of the storm in the sea and they would perish. To remind them every, to remind them on the calm days. See, we need some reminders when everything's going well not to let up in our faith, not to let up in our prayer posture, our dependence and our trust. Amen. I want, to, I want to be stirred on the good days. Not just stirred when the bad trouble comes. But on the good days. I want to remember to pray that God is my absolute source and my only hope at the best of times. So that when the worst of times, I don't have to get out rusty faith. Crusty faith. Faith that hasn't been in use. Can you say, man, that I'm in some kind of desperate mode now? I want to live in a desperate mode. I want to live in a dependent mode. I want to live and let God know that every breath that I take and every step that I make is dependent on His grace and His mercy. Hallelujah. Because I need to qualify for the sufficiency of His grace. And when I am weak, I acknowledge it, I admit it. And I look to Him in spite of that weakness by faith and put my trust in Him and hold fast. Everybody say, hold fast. Glory to God. Hold fast. Hold fast. Hold fast. Hold fast. I read the true story of a man who was with a pilot. And the pilot asked him to check a noise because he thought something might have been wrong with the rudder in a two-seater plane. 
And he, true story, in the news, he went back to check what was making the clanking noise before they would come in for a landing. And he went back in the hinder part of the plane. He looked around the pilots steering the plane, waiting for the report. And he decides, I'm going to look out the door and see if I see anything wrong with the rudder back there. So he opened the door behind the seats where the, and he looks out the door and the suction, because they were going quite fast, and his feet not being secure, he got sucked out of the plane and grabbed hold of the landing gear and situated himself just above where the wheels touched down on this plane and held on. I'm going to tell you, the man did not need hold fast tattooed on his hands. Come on. He held fast. In fact, the pilot didn't know what happened to him, thought he had fallen to his death and didn't still know about the landing, but he told him, I'm coming in, I'm not sure my rudder works, and they were watching him from the tower, and they told him, they said, uh, oh, by the way, your t- the tail section looks fine, what we can see, because he t- took a trip around before he landed to let him check everything. He said, but there's a man holding on to your landing gear. <laughs> he said, land as gently as you can. And he did, and the man survived the landing. He was situated to where he could hold on above the wheels, and the wheels hit the tarmac. The little plane stopped, and they sent out the crew to get him. And guess what? This was in the paper. He wouldn't turn loose. (laughs) He He was so... He knew he was on the ground, but his body didn't care. <laughs> Amen. I mean, he had said himself, whatever happens, whatever happens from here on out, I'm holding on. You ever hear that song? Hold on just a little while longer. Hold on just a little while longer. Hold on just a little while longer. Hold on. Hold on. And if we could hold on, see that's patience allowing us to hold on. And if we could stand fast, hallelujah, and hold fast. And part of that is saying what he said, not what we see and not what we feel, but what he said. Hold fast what? Hold fast the form of sound words. Can you say, man, get in the word of God, let the word of God get in you and hold on to what God has said. And how do you hold on? By saying what He said. It's not just in your heart saying, I believe that, I see that. It's saying that. There's something about saying it with the heart man believes. But when does salvation occur in its completeness? With the mouth? Everybody say, my mouth. Everybody say, my mouth matters. James tried to tell us we always see it in the negative. We ought to see the positive side of the tongue. We always hear about the negative. But life, not just death is in the power of it. Life is in the power of it. We can speak life to others. And we can speak life to our own spirit. When I was going through a nervous breakdown, everything I knew kind of went out the window. I mean, everything I knew here cerebrally. Because my emotions told me 
All of that is not true. The presence of God is not with you. God doesn't love you. If He did, He wouldn't let and He wouldn't let you go through this suffering, this time, and all of this stuff I had to work through. And you know what I went? I went in the old holy church of God where some of you attended years ago. I opened my Bible and found a man going through it. I'm glad I didn't just turn on my TV and hear somebody preach on how to never have a problem. I'm glad I found a man with a problem and still had faith in God and God took him through. His name was David. Can you say man? And I opened up the book. Oh yeah, don't, don't, don't turn on the TV. Go to the Bible sometime. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't want to hear from a man that's never been through anything. Because when I go through it, he has nothing to say to me. He's never walked in my shoes. He don't know where I am. He's got a Bentley. He goes to a penthouse after the service. Amen. He's got an entourage. He's got his own posse around him. He lives in a multi-million dollar home. He don't speak my language. He don't live where I live. To hear him talk on television for 45 minutes, everything is just like that. Everything is just fine. Just build your faith. You can have what I have and be what I am. Well, I don't want to be what he is or have what he has. I'm called to follow Jesus Christ. And he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. I don't see any other way than following him. How many have ever suffered anything since you've been a Christian? You've had some anxiety. You've had some worries. You've had some fears. You've had some tears. Well, don't think it's unique. Don't think it's strange. Think it not strange. The fiery trial that has come to try you. As Oh, by the way, let's get the man off this plane. <laughs> they coaxed him. They told him, you're safe now. But his body was locked. On to that. And they went over and began to try to pry his fingers loose. His grip was so tight, they were afraid they would break his finger trying to get. His, and they tranquilized him. <laughs> you talk about holding fast. They gave him a tranquilizer, and as he relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he relaxed, he turned loose. And you know what God's tranquilizer is? When you're holding on so tight. See, God wants you to hold fast, but not white-knuckled as if, if God don't come through. No, there's take the if out of it. God is going to come through. It's going to be okay. Amen. Peace that passes understanding because grace is sufficient is God's tranquilizer. Not to get you to turn loose of Him, but just not holding on in doubt. When you hold on in doubt, I doubt I'm going to make it, but I'm going to hold on in the hope that somehow I might. No, that's not how faith talks or reacts. Faith doesn't just believe that God has the power to do something. It believes He'll do it for you. And some prayer is desperate in the sense of doubt. Oh God! We don't know what to do! We what are, oh Lord, what are we going to do? And I call it chicken little faith. Have you ever heard the story of chicken little? What's chicken little do? An, an acorn falls and hits him on the head. And he thinks the sky. Because he didn't see what hit him. 
And he's absolutely convinced the sky is falling. And he, he shakes his head and starts running around to everybody that lives. The sky is falling. 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 Satan is counting on you. Believing that God is not in control. That everything is out of God's jurisdiction. That God is taking a break. That God is asleep on His throne. Oh, friend of mine, God is, oh, you need your faith to work. Come on, you can get so troubled with the burdens of this world that your faith can't be work in the Lord anymore because your worry is overriding your comfort, your counsel, your faith. You're not saying what God said. Amen. Oh, I want to say what Jeremiah said. When, I, when the circumstances are all in reverse and it seems hopeless and I feel helpless. Ah! Lord God! That's how he began it. In Jeremiah. Ah! Lord God! Ah! Lord God! Thou hast made heaven and earth by thine outstretched hand and there is nothing too hard for thee. Do you know did you did you know a pirate's favorite letter in the alphabet? R. You got it. You get a star by your name. Hallelujah. See you 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 will learn something here, will you? Hallelujah. Ah, say ah. He just meditated on and considered. The greatness, the might, and the majesty. You stretched out heaven as a scroll, and I'm supposed to sit down here and limit you? You made heaven and earth with your outstretched hand, and I'm going to sit down here and limit you? I'm going to sit down here and worry that you can't handle it? You made heaven and earth, but you can't handle Trump? You made heaven and earth, but you can't handle Hillary? You can't get her attention? You can't straighten her out? Ah! Come on, chicken little. Fess up this morning. You think one man or one woman can doom America if the church intercedes? If my people... My people, which are called by my name, the one with the power and the authority, not the politicians, not the Democrats, not the Republicans, not the atheists, but my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. I, ah, Lord God, I will hear from heaven. I, I will heal their land. And I don't care who thinks they're boss down there when I do it. Where's Superman when you need him? Everybody looking for Superman. What about God? I couldn't live in this fallen world with all the mess it's in if I didn't believe that he sits on the circle of the earth. 
Hallelujah. I could not. Listen, if I couldn't give my crazy kids to the Lord and grandkids to the Lord, if I couldn't give them to Him, I would be sick. I'd be sick this morning because I wouldn't have slept last night. I would have walked the floor worried myself sick. They're my burden. And what am I supposed to do with my burden? Cast your burden on the Lord. He will sustain you. You'll find grace sufficient and peace that passes understanding. That's how He sustains you. Hallelujah. He will never (laughs) suffer the righteous to be moved. He said, I'll step in. When you think you can't take another step, I'll step in. Hallelujah. Think it not strange, the fiery trial that has come to try you as some strange thing has happened unto you, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that that you are able to bear, who will with the temptation make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. The way to escape the intention of that, the doubt, the fear, the defeat, the depression, is to recognize there's a fourth man in the fire. Hallelujah. (laughs) And what was the result of that fire? Because of the presence of the fourth man. They came out of it... the people that threw them in by the blast when they opened the door, they had already reheated it seven times hotter than necessary to make you a crispy critter. Can you say amen? And the men that threw them in when they opened the furnace to throw them in were killed immediately by the blast of heat before the flame even touched them. But they were able in their death to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace. And the king is sitting there with his edict not to bow to any other god than the one that he had proclaimed. And he's watching for them to be consumed in the flame. To see that macabre death dance of people being consumed in fire before they crumple and burn up. He said, did not we throw three men into that fire? And is there not four men walking around in there? And one of them is shining brighter than the flames of that furnace. (sighs) But listen to the confession of faith before the furnace. You either bow and worship the... My edict, the God that I have set up, are you burning that furnace? He was hornswoggled into doing that. He really honored the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But now, it said, they're not worshiping. They're, they're disobeying you, kings. So he's obligated to get them in it. But here's where they answered him. He said, now imagine this. You see, you see that certain death and a terrible way to die. And guess what they say by faith? And Faith just puts God on the throne. That's all it does. Just puts Him where He truly is. On the throne and in control. And put yourself in His hands. (laughs) 
If He's in control and you're in His hands, it's going to be okay. No matter what happens, it's going to be okay. Won't Mills used to sing, I got a feeling everything going to be all right. Oh, I got a feeling everything going to be all right. Oh, I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Be all right. Be all right. Be all right. Can you say, man, you'll get that feeling if you put your trust in Him. And it'd be more than a feeling. Hallelujah. Here's how they answered. I mean, our normal flesh without faith. What do you got to say about that? Why aren't you bowing? Cat got your tongue? They said, we're not careful to answer you in this matter, O king. Cool as a cucumber. That's peace. The peace that comes with acknowledging God is in control and we're in His hands. And Paul said how that peace operates. He said, if I live, I live unto the Lord. And if I die, (laughs) I die unto the Lord. And whether I live or whether I die, I'm the Lord's. He calls the shots. That's why when it came time for him to die, he said, the time of my demise is at hand. No, the time of my departure is at hand. And I'm ready to be offered up. I finished everything. I finished my course. He wasn't married. He had no kids. He said, I've done everything God commissioned me to do, and there's nothing left for me to do but go home and get my crown. What can you do with a guy like that? You can't head him off even if you cut off his head. Amen? We're not careful to answer you in this matter, O King. And we want you to know something. Our God that we serve is able. Somebody say He's able. He's able to deliver us from this flame. (laughs) <laughs> what what a, what a confession hold fast hold fast hold fast he's able to it looks like there's nobody able to deliver him they said God's able but they also said something else and this is why they had peace they said but whether he does or whether he doesn't we ain't bowing to no other God but him they didn't say what we would normally say Lord if you'll get me out of this Amen. Come on, if you'll get me out of this, I will, I will go down to Tarshish and preach to that rotten outfit down there. I'll go talk to those flaky people over in Macedonia. Can you say, man, if you'll just get me out of this? They said our God's able to deliver us from that furnace, whether He does or whether He don't, O King. We're not nervous. We're not upset. We're not careful to answer you in this matter. We bow to no other God. That's why when they took 20, as I'm closing today, and we'll finish this, they took 20, and you may have seen it on TV. They just showed the picture, not of the beheading, but they showed the picture of 20 Christians from Egypt that it came down into Syria to work to provide for their families. They were non-combatants, apolitical, but they were Christian. 
20 of them. When they came to get them out of the work barracks where they were housing workers, they said, where are the followers of the cross? They did not hide under their bunks. No one had to point them out. They all stood up and acknowledged Jesus. Adonai. Twenty Coptic Christians from Egypt. They took them to what is normally a beautiful spot overlooking the Mediterranean Sea, the shore. Twenty men, young men with families in orange jumpsuits is what they dressed them in for the dramatic impact. They put a man in black with a hood and a long knife behind each of the twenty. And the picture in the news or Facebook or anywhere you want to look showed 20 men on their knees with 20 men behind them with a knife ready to cut their throats and finish beheading them. Now, if grace isn't sufficient, there. But if grace is sufficient there and peace can come there, then whatever you're and I'm facing... It can come to me and it can come to you. And a minister from Egypt watched the whole tape, pausing it. So he saw just before the cut was made. And each man, without exception, was saying something in the Egyptian. Each man their last utterance before their throat was cut. Do you know what it was? He saw it. He interpreted it. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Brother Taylor, that helps me not complain about my trouble all the time. Oh, I do complain, but I catch myself and say, Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What devotion and what grace. What grace. What grace. What grace. What grace. What grace was upon them. In fact, it said of the New Testament church, Because grace is increased according to the problem and the pressure being brought to bear in order to be sufficient for it all. It said, and great grace was upon them all. Not just a little, but a whole lot. Can you say, man, great grace. That means there's the grace is sufficient to the problem and the pressure that He grants. Grace will always superabound if we will confess the truth about God in the midst of our trouble. God is faithful. Jesus is Lord. God is in control. Hold fast. Say it with me. Hold fast. Your profession of faith, which is rendered confession of faith in the Greek, and it means exactly to say the same thing as another. And the another is God Himself and Jesus Christ. It's to stand on the Word and release the power of it into your life by confessing it. 
remember anybody anybody was in did anybody bypass elementary school? I know we got big big uh, intelligent supercomputer head brains in here, but anybody go through elementary school? Let me see if you went through elementary. It's not a trick question. We're, I'm not going to I'm not going to ask you for the multiplication tables. I, I probably don't remember all of them either. Remember the story of the little train that could Remember it? He hits this big mountainous hill, and he's a steam engine, and he's huffing, and he's puffing, and he's pulling, but he's saying something the whole time. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think. By the way, your mind matters too. (laughs) Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And if you don't think you can, I'm going to tell you right straight up, you can't. Amen. And by the way, the devil don't even know where you are on this issue until you open your mouth. That's how he discuss. He can't. He don't. He, he ain't a god. He can't see what's in your heart. But when you open your mouth, you designate where you. If you're already in doubt and fear, he says, "Pour it on. It's working." Can you say, man, pour it on. Pour it on, Venable. He's already filled with doubt. He's already backing off in fear. Did you hear what he just told his wife? Oh, honey, Lord, have mercy. I don't think. See, we got him going. Pour it on. Pour it on. Amen. He don't know your heart till you open your mouth. For the abundance of the heart. And we're not even talking about this spiritual man. We're, that is your mind. The abundance. Listen. Your heart can't talk through your mouth. Only your mind can talk through your mouth. So it depends on how it's used. The abundance of your mind, your mouth speaketh. Now your heart can influence your mind, but only your mind can influence your mouth. Your heart can't talk through your mouth without going through your mind. Hello? That's why you've got to get renewed in the spirit of your mind so that what's in your heart can now... Be lining up with what's in your mind. And what's in your mind lines up with your mouth. But with the heart man believes unto righteousness. But with the... The what? The, say it again. The mouth. Confession is made unto salvation. And until it's in the mouth, it is incomplete. For the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And if you want to know why you're depressed, if you could only have a 30-day playback of everything that you've said in the last 30 days, and compare it with what lined up with God's Word, and God's unchanging nature, and what was just the bursting forth of your own feelings and emotions. So when it said give no place to the devil, you can't just shut the door of your home. Sometimes you've got to shut this door first. And don't open it again until you can say what he said. Hello? Hello? We're almost done. Israel is on the brink 
of the promised land. They had the Red Sea part. They saw Pharaoh's army drowned. Mightiest army in the world. They saw the plagues in Egypt. They saw the death angel take lives and spare their lives of their loved ones. They ate manna from heaven. They drank water from a rock. And by the way, wherever they went, the water from that rock made a path. And there was a stream that followed them. They didn't have to look for water. The water was looking for them. They saw the, they saw the pillar of fire. They saw all of this. They experienced God's deliverance. But when they sent spies into the promised land to find out if they could go get it, which is a big mess up. Because if God says it's yours, you don't ask whether you can take it or not. And the ten spies came back. And what was their report? The Bible said it was an evil report. Where did it come from? Their mouth. They saw. They didn't lie about what they saw. They just didn't tell the whole truth. They didn't include God in any of it. They gave a report as if God was out of business. God didn't exist. And all of that that He did was immaterial. They said, we saw cities walled up to heaven. Isn't it amazing when fear kicks in? It always exaggerates. Amen? Jericho is a big city, but it wasn't that big. We saw fierce armies, so fierce. And we saw giants in the land, the sons of Anak. And we were as grasshoppers before them, and so were we in their sight. I'm going to tell you something about your enemy. Your enemy sees you just like you see yourself. Can you say man? And if you see yourself as a grasshopper and him as a giant, what do giants do to grasshoppers? Grasshopper the other night was eating on my tree. He was one of them big, big colorful ones. And you could see he was eating. And he was going to keep on eating. He thought he was in the garden of eating. Amen. He was eating everything he could out there on my, my little old you know, tree that we were trying to keep alive. So I knocked him off. But I knew he'd come back and eat. So I went over. I'm bigger than him. He's going to come back and eat. And I stomped him. He was still moving. I was merciful. I didn't want him to suffer. So I stomped him again. Can you say amen? Put him out of his misery. Saved my tree. What? The God of glory just delivered you from the mightiest army in the world and you see a lesser army and you see some giants and you saw yourself as grasshoppers and so they saw you. Your enemy sees you like you see yourself and you ought to see yourself as a mighty warrior with God's armor on. Instead of a victim, you need to see yourself as a victor in Jesus Christ. And you need to say it. I have believed, therefore have I spoken. Can you say amen? For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Words matter. Your mouth matters. Your mind matters. Your spirit matters. 
So they didn't go over because of discouragement and fear and no faith. But Joshua and Caleb saw the same armies. They saw the same cities, the same circumstances, but they saw it through the eye of faith in the faithfulness of God. And what did they say? Let's go up at once and possess the land for we are well able. Do you see the difference? Well, I ain't going to lie, Brother Van Paul. There's one thing about me. I am honest. If I don't feel it, I ain't going to say it. Well, for heaven's sakes, what if God said it? Amen. Don't say what you feel. Say what God said. Put God on the spot. Put God to the test. Quote God's Word, not what you feel. Hath He not said it? And will He not? Do it. Can you say amen? But he can't do it if you won't even acknowledge what he said. I'm going to tell you something that may shock you. I hope it rocks you because we're almost done. Listen. Listen. God's word in your mouth. God's word. Not the words of the preacher, your domination, your dogma or creed, but God's word in your mouth has no less authority than it does in His mouth. Because it's not your word. It's His. And He watches over wherever it is, however it's expressed in the earth. He watches over His word to leave you high and dry, discourage you, disappoint you, amen, abandon you. No, He watches over His word to perform it. Heaven will pass away. Earth will pass away. Man, like the leaf of, 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 of a flower, will fail and pass away. But my word will abide forever. So here we sit with God's word being brought Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Forty. Three years in January of God's Word. At some point, we need to hold fast the form of sound words. We need to get it first in our mind, and then from our mind to our heart, and then from our heart back to our mind, renewing the mind, and then from our mind to our Say it. Mouth. Our mouth. For the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And devil is just sitting around listening. Okay. It's working, boys. It's working. Keep it up. They're losing ground. They're doubting God. They're questioning God. Listen to what they're saying. And so when... They were asked why they didn't go over and possess the land like God commanded them. They said, our brethren, our brethren, our brethren. Come on, the world can't harm me. The world can't hurt me. Atheists can't move me. 
Can you say, man, it don't bother me what the Satanists say. They're starting Satan Bible clubs across America in elementary schools because there's a Christian Bible club for after school. The Satanists are starting Satan Bible clubs, refuting God altogether. And it's, out, it's going to be something available to students going to elementary school. The devil wants their minds early. Can you say, man, listen to me carefully. It's happening here in America. There was a time you couldn't do that in America, but you can do it now. The study of Satanism and atheism. Not just atheism, but Satanism. God doesn't exist, but the devil does. You better get hold of a God that's alive and can help you. And the church is distracted and discouraged. Beaten, beleaguered, and embattled. And the words that transpire... Do not line up with God's word. Let no corrupt. See, the words are so vital. The Bible said, don't let. It's so powerful. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that that's good for edifying. If it don't build up, don't say it. Can you say, man, if it tears down, don't say it. If it divides, don't say it. Six things the Lord doth hate, seven are abomination. Number one is pride. Number two is he that sows discord among the brethren. Can you say, man, number seven? Listen to me carefully. It matters. It matters. It matters. It matters. It matters. It matters. Your tongue is like the rudder on a huge ship. That whole ship can be turned by setting the little member down under the water that nobody can see. But that ship is headed in a direction determined by the setting of the rudder. And the tongue sets your ship for shipwreck or to go to the port God's called you to. Can you say, man? So Christians are being shipwrecked. Because they don't understand the power of their words and they don't understand how to discipline their mouth. So we keep saying what we feel, what we see, and what we sense instead of what God says. So we're tying the hands of God, discouraging ourselves with our words. That's why every idle word. That's the stuff we say when we think nobody's looking, but two entities are listening. God and Satan. If you could see Satan squatting in the corner of your house with his hand like this at your supper table, I guarantee you, you'd watch your words. But let me tell you something to make you watch him even more than that. If Jesus was sitting at your table, would it change your conversation? I'm not talking about a slip and a slang. I'm talking about defeat and fear and doubt and division. Hopelessness. Helplessness. I've never seen the church so filled with doubt and fear. 
I've never seen it in my lifetime. I'm 40 plus years in ministry. I've never seen so much fear and doubt and worry crippling. I've never seen so many people getting sick because of worry. Stress. I had a stroke because of stress. I know what it will do and I can tell you, I want the sufficiency of His grace. I want the peace that passes understanding. I can't afford. I get up in the morning before I hear anything from news, CNN or Fox or anybody else. Before I hear what anybody said, I want to hear what God has said. And I want to say what He said. So I get up in the morning. (laughs) My dog wants to see a dog about a man. And I take him out to do his business. I look up into the blue sky, the cloudy sky, whatever sky there is, and say, this is the day the Lord has made. You're in charge. Ain't nobody else in charge but you. You are in control. And I'm in your hand. Hallelujah. I will rejoice. I don't know what I'm going to hear on the TV. I don't know what I'm going to hear on the telephone. I don't know what somebody's going to do or say. But I know who is in control. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Because I know He's in control of it. Hallelujah. So I start out with rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, you're going to need this. So it's reiterated. Rejoice. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Will you stand to your feet today? Did you get anything out of this message? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. 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 Got to say this in closing. Is How many were baptized in the Holy Ghost in here? I'm not even looking, but you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. What is the first evidence biblically? Power is what is produced. But what is the first evidence, outward evidence of the Holy Spirit? What? Speaking in another tongue. Well, who takes control? If it's really God and you're really baptized in the Holy Ghost, you speak in tongues only as who gives you the utterance? The Holy Spirit gives you the utterance. So those 120 people in the upper room all of those days surrendering themselves unto God, when He took His place and His residence in their human bodies as His holy temple, they all spake in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So when God has control of the heart, when God has control of the life, He's got to have control of the tongue. And the Holy Spirit wasn't just allowing them to speak in gibberish. They spoke in actual languages. 
And then they spoke to God and not unto men later on. But there's another work of the Holy Spirit involving your tongue. And it is that our tongue, what we say with our mouth, lines up with the words that have come out of his mouth. And Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit. Hallelujah. They said, let's go up at once. Let's don't be hesitant because of obstacles. God told us to go get it, and he'll give it to us if we'll step over this river. And it took 40 years because of brethren discouraging brethren. Amen? Amen? took 40 years to get a 40-day journey. A whole generation died out because God said not a man who was able to fight is going to get to go over and get the land. It's going to look like I'm not keeping my promise, but they're the ones being unfaithful. Can you say, man, it's their unfaithfulness that is costing them the blessing, not my reluctance to bless them, not my inability to give it to them, not my lack of integrity when I made the promise. Come on, we've got we to gotta, we gotta assume some responsibility for the condition of our lives as Christians. Because complaining or pointing the finger at God or questioning or doubting is not going to help you. It's going to keep pushing you further away, further into the depression and the doubt and the disbelief. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Lest there be any of you come short of entering in to His rest wherever His purpose is. <laughs> that He's purpose. That's the place where you need to be. It's called His rest. Glory to God. Where I need to be. It wasn't giants, walled cities, or fierce armies that kept them out of the promised land. It was words. Amen? Our brethren had discouraged our hearts, saying, so they turned back. Psalm 78 says, and limited the Holy One of Israel. But Joshua and Caleb, you're going to live long enough to go over and get it. And Joshua is old. <laughs> and he's kind of, he's kind of, come on, Brother T, let's talk about age. <laughs> Me and you can talk turkey. Everybody else has to say, well, you all just wait, right? Just tell them, just wait. Amen. When that old body starts to bow, and we start looking like we just, you know, we're kind of walking a little slower than we used to walk. Amen. It's coming. It's coming. Just wait. Just you wait. It's coming. Amen. Amen. And Joshua looked like that because he had a lot of age on him. And they're getting ready. A new generation is going to go get it. They're going to cross over. They're going to get all the promises and the blessings, defeat the armies, and take the cities. Amen. <laughs> and, and they're telling, appointing leaders to go over and take bunches over and Joshua pushes his way through the crowd. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. And he said, I'm ready. I'm ready to go get it. God promised it to me and I'm ready to go get it. And they looked at him like a senior citizen that ought to get it in the back of the line. And he said, and I'm just as strong to go get it now as I was the day that he told me it was mine. And he went and got it. <laughs> Can you say man? Hallelujah. 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 Woo! <laughs> what you going to do with that mouth of yours? What am I going to do with this mouth of mine? Are we going to bridle that tongue? 
We're going to let the Holy Spirit take control of it. We're going to say what God said and see God move. Or we're going to talk ourselves out of victory and talk our brethren out of believing God. We're going to infect the body of Christ with doubt and unbelief. Like a cancer. If brethren can build up or brethren can tear down, guess who Satan's going to use? Guess who he's going to use? Guess who he's going to use? That atheist at work can't hurt you, but your brother can tear you up. That Satanist at school can't hurt you. What they say, you know they're in the blindness of de- de- deceit and defeat. But your sister can break your heart. Brother and sister, we need to circle the wagons. Amen. We need to stand together. This thing's about over and the world is making its last push. Because the devil and all the demons of hell know their time is short. And this is the last opportunity for the church of Jesus Christ to reach the world and to reach your world and my world with the gospel. God wants to get you on your feet. God wants every promise to be yea and amen. Hallelujah. God wants you to have an optimistic attitude toward the future because Jesus is coming soon. Can you say amen? How many you give the Lord a clap offering by faith? Just by faith that God's on the throne today. Hallelujah. Say it with me. The Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. You just quoted Psalm 107 and verse 1. The Lord, say it with me again. The Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. Oh, we've got to go home. Oh, Lord. Say it one more time, please. We're about to have a revival. We're going to have a revival revolution. Something's going to give. The Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. Do you know the power of what you just said? The truth about God? Jehoshaphat has an army. Three armies banded together to raid Israel, rape Israel, enslave Israel, kill the men of battle. Sennacherib comes. And Jehoshaphat sees the threat. And he says, Lord, we have no power in the, according to the flesh, militarily, We have no plan, no power, no strategy to defeat this this unified army coming against us, this overwhelming force. But, listen to what he says, our eyes are on you. And when he said that, a prophet stood up, To echo what he said and give confirmation to it. Thou shalt not have to fight in this battle. (laughs) For the battle is not yours. 
The battle is the Lord. So forget about your military. Forget about your army and your strategies. God is going to take up this battle. And then he gave the battle plan. Go and get the singers that praise God day and night in the temple. Go and get the people that extol him by his name, Jah. Go and get those people that acknowledge and extol God. Hallelujah. That don't just talk about the trouble, but praise the Lord. Go get those singers that praise him day and night. And send them out. And have them sing Psalm 107 and verse 1. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. That's the truth about our God. And that's the God that has taken up the battle. And while they kept singing that chorus, that truth about God, not some pop ditty to sell records, But the truth about God. Hallelujah. God turned every man on his partner in that unified army. And they watched three armies fight each other to the death while they sang the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. (laughs) Woo! I don't know. I'd pay to hear a sermon like this. And it didn't cost you anything. Hallelujah. I'd pay. I'm serious. I need somebody to shake me, rock me, sock me, get me awake and aware. Hallelujah. Somebody wake me up to who I am and who He is. Amen. Psalm 107, 1, the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Psalm 107 and 2, let the redeemed Say so. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Not only that I'm redeemed, but He redeemed me, this God that I'm telling you about. The reason I'm tough on my flesh, tough on your flesh, it's because if the devil can't get your flesh in league with him, he can never defeat you. He has to get your flesh in league with, what, with his lies. And God wants your flesh submitted to his truth. Can you say amen? You can, when you crucify the flesh, make sure you include the tongue. And I want to make sure I include my tongue. Something good is going to happen. How do you know? Because all things work together for good. We know this. How can you say that? Are you saying that by blind faith? No, I'm saying it according to the Word of Almighty God. So turn over that needle point. We could see what God's looking at right now. We could see everything that's touching us being woven into a pattern of His eternal purpose. And we say, oh, that's looking so good. Can you say, man, something good is going to happen to you. Hallelujah. If you keep your trust in Him today. Did I give you something to play? I didn't. How many are willing to rejoice before we leave here today? Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, we praise You. Father, we praise You. Father, we just praise You. Glory to His name. Glory to His name. Glory to His name. This is a confession of faith. I want it to be my confession. I see the Lord saving the lost. 
I see the Lord bringing families together. The hearts of the fathers back to the children. The hearts of the children back to the fathers. I see that. Because before the great and terrible day of the Lord, He's going to send the spirit and power of Elijah upon His servants. And they're not going to speak as political pundits. They're not going to speak as, as some kind of, of, of social uh, engineers. They're not going to speak as some kind of, 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 of just, uh, you know, mealy mouth, hit and miss, put a, put a band-aid on a cancer preacher. They're going to talk different and preach different because Jesus is coming soon. And without a revival, we're going to see so many people perish. We need a Holy Ghost revival. We don't need to be coddled at church. We need to be challenged so that we can be changed. Hallelujah. Let's give Him praise in this place. The Lord is moving all over the world. And America is the next great candidate. One of the churchiest nations in the world is the next candidate for a visitation of God.